Hey, hey, Star Wars fans, it's Gary here from Spark of Rebellion, and we would love for you to listen to all of our brand new episodes when they land every single Saturday. Make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or pop over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that via our Patreon. Just head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and come and join our other patrons. And thank you so much for your continued support. Now, may the force be with you and on to this week's Spark of Rebellion. Hello there. Hello there, and welcome to Spark of Rebellion, your weekly Star Wars podcast where we bring you the top news from the Star Wars universe, a bit of random discussion, and of course, our very now quirky random spotlight where we go through something obscure or just a bit ordinary that you might not have revisited from the Star Wars universe, and we talk about those little details. Welcome to episode 27 of what I hope you've had a cracking week, Um, and welcome back to my co-host, Mr. Mark Aspeth, who had last week off uh, out in sunny Cali. How are you doing, bro? All right, thank you, lovely. Back in black and uh, back to the, the drizzly cold weather of Sheffield, but glad to be back nonetheless, dude. It is in California, right, Apple? Yeah, Cupertino, That's Northern it. California. Or is it it's, or is it mid-California? Because uh, apparently LA is Southern California, which I didn't realise. Ah, yeah. So, yeah, but it's in Cupertino, which was nice. It was nice here. We went out there for a day. Spoke to Apple about podcastings and uh, met up with a couple of other people. Um, did a bit of a working lunch with a few of the people that we do some work with out there. Uh, it was good, man. And then just instantly drove back down to LA to get the flight. We couldn't get a flight from San Jose or from San Francisco. So we, we, we literally landed, got a Dodge Challenger, drove from LA to Cupertino, did the meeting, slept, got back in the car, drove back down to LA got back on the plane which was just hilarious because we uh i don't know if it's illegal but i'm fairly sure it is we were we were within a sniff of running out of petrol on the uh on what i can only assume is los angeles ring road (laughs) like the m25 of los angeles it was the car said you have zero miles and kieran was driving and he was just bricking it all the way through it was hilarious (laughs) cool road trip though yeah it was pretty fun man it was pretty fun yeah uh, coming up in today's show, we've got plenty of news to go through, uh, some Obi-Wan Kenobi theory in the uh, review and discussion, and then uh, some dudes in red for the random spotlight. Before we crack on with that, though, uh, thank you so much to our patrons who support the show. And if you want to do the same, if you like what we do here, then head over to patreon.com forward slash spark of rebellion. You can support the show there from various tiers. It would be lovely to have you on board and all of that money we pump back into the show to make sure we give you quality podcasts every single week. And um, remember to subscribe to the show on any of the podcast networks that are out there. Any app that you listen to podcasts on, just do a search for Spark of Rebellion. You can find us on there, give us a sub so you don't miss a show when that lands every single Saturday. And lastly, we're on the socials as well. So check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Do a search for Spark Rebellion and get involved in the community we've got building up there. It's very cool. We chat Star Wars throughout the week. So that is us. Let's crack on with some news, bud. Uh, Let's do this. Yes, uh, Dominic uh, Monaghan's. You might remember that name from a certain other movie franchise. It was very popular 
uh, a few years back from the Lord of the Rings. Dominic was, um, uh, he was, uh, is it Pippin or Merry? One of the two from the Lord of the Rings. Um, I can never remember which one it is, which is terrible because I'm a huge Tolkien fan. Um, but anyway, it was rumoured long ago that he was going to pop up in The Rise of Skywalker and we didn't see anything for ages. Uh, his name was mentioned in a few things, but uh, we didn't know what character, we didn't even know what he was going to be, whether it was going to be a uh, a stormtrooper, somebody to do with the the First Order or from the Alliance, we don't know, but we have our first image of Dominic and from the looks of things, he is going to be um, part of the Alliance or the Rebellion, whatever name is floating around these days. So it's good to see him. He's a really cool guy as well. If you look at any of the convention, he is quite big on the convention circuit and he does a lot of panels and stuff. Any of those things that you've heard him talk about, it's his mainly Lord of the Rings, admittedly, but I think now that he's, his image and his character has been revealed for Star Wars, I think a lot more questions will be fired to him around the Star Wars stuff, but it's good for him to be mentioned and shown now, dude. He bores the death out of me, this guy. Why is that? He's just boring, isn't he? Like, every character he's ever played is dull, from what I've seen. <laughs> like, he played Merry or Pippin, whichever it was, in uh, Lord of the Rings. Fair enough. Like, he played that guy in Lost, Charlie. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the only good thing he did was the, the handwriting, you know, that, and he was just otherwise whiny. And then he was, he was like the worst bad guy ever in Flash Forward. They're my three memories of Dominic Monaghan. Um... And the fact that he was in that band, Drive Shaft, in Lost, which I thought was amazing. <laughs> he, he played the rock star. Oh, yeah. So I yeah. don't know. And he just, like, I get I get that he's a great, great kind of genre actor. I get he's a sci-fi guy. But he just, like, this this picture, I get it. It's cool. But it's, look at me. I'm Dominic Monaghan. I am generic rebel. And it's, it's yeah. just a bit like that. I just feel like if, like, if you match his star status to the fact that he's in Star Wars, some crappy leak toy picture could have been done a heck of a lot better. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm really... You know what I'm like. I'm a, I'm a grumpy old curmudgeon, but I'm, ju <laughs> I'm just thinking to myself, like, come on, you've got a guy that was in Lord of the Rings and has got a bit of star power here. Do something better with him. Um, but I'm sure he'll be an amazing character. He's probably just, it's probably for this reason that they're not revealing too much, that he probably has got quite a pivotal role. He's probably like Captain Rex's second nephew's cousin's dog's son-in-law. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> he's, he's related to the clones or something. I don't know, mate. It oh, just, I, yeah. I thought it was like non-news, but then at the same time, because like, imagine if it wasn't him, if it's just a, another resistance fighter, you'd be like, well, that's, that's a bit of a wet squib. But it's the guy out of Lost, so, you know, all right. I don't know. I, I just thought it was one of those where it could have been done a bit better, you know? A wet squib. Yeah, sorry about that, Dominic. I'm sure you're a bloody lovely guy, but uh, it's just, it just a bit dull. Yeah, I, can't, I see what you're saying, yeah. He was never going to be a big character, was he, let's be honest, because as we've mentioned quite a few times over the last few weeks now, that they need to cater for so many things now in this film. Yeah, exactly. You know, they can't afford now to be having another character that they have to focus on and stuff. So he was never mm -hmm. going to be at the forefront. But I think he's a cool guy, though. I think he's, you might, I think, yeah, he is a bit boring, I suppose, when he does go on a bit. But I'm sure there's more to the character as well. Like, yeah. you wouldn't, I don't think you'd get a named character like, a named actor like that to play someone that didn't matter. So it's like when you're watching a film, it's like, you know, unknown cast and then suddenly like, 
the guy that you've seen in all the things. Yeah. You're like, ti- like when Titus Welliver shows up, you're <laughs> yeah. like, wait a second. Like he's just big enough to be a bad mofo. So this is probably means he's going to come back in three episodes time. Like that's Dominic Monan. Um, so I'm sure he's bigger. Like I said, it, it'll turn out that he like manufactured Captain Rex's boots or something, you know, that guy. Um, it'll be some weird <laughs> tenuous link, but you know. There we go. I'm a miserable sod. Someone hasn't had their breakfast this morning. No, no, no. It's, it's, I, I have had a lot of breakfast, uh, even though I'm trying to lose a little bit of weight. Um, but I've just, you know, if it's not Penny's boat written on his hand, like this is not <laughs> Luke's Death Star <laughs> written on his hand. I'm not interested. Uh, we're going to have to, we're going to have to nurture you through this show, aren't we? This week, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be a grumpy one. It's, I'm always happy. This this bit of news might be better for you. Who knows? Let's take a stab. Here we go, Mark. So, Wedge Antilles. Wedge Antilles could be coming back in The Rise of Skywalker. The cover for an upcoming book from uh, Del Rey, the, um, what's it called? The something, something. Is it Resistance Reborn or Rebellion Reborn? or Is it Resistance Reborn? I think so. so let's have a gander. The, the reason why I'm struggling with this is because uh, the particular story I'm looking at, they, they've shown the, I think it's the Spanish or the Italian cover. And my, uh, yeah, it's a Spanish version. And my Spanish isn't great at the minute. So I think this is from Resistance Reborn, I think. Anyways, on the cover, it's got Poe Dameron and Leia. They're the main focus. But then underneath that, you've got Ray and Finn. But then tucked in just behind Finn, you've got what looks like Wedge Antilles. And we know... That Wedge Antilles is, of course, one of the uh, original pilots from A New Hope. Mm-hmm. He was the guy that was out there with the X-Wings with Luke and uh, dishing out some slaps to the Empire in the trench run and, and blah, blah, blah. So uh, he obviously survives. And then at the end, they have that nice little cuddle and stuff and all that stuff. So uh, I am particularly happy about this because I think that the character Wedge is a very, very good character i think it's a it's a it's it's a pilot from that era that is just one of the dudes that's not a so luke was obviously the guy in the new hope using the force helped by obi-wan the force ghost all that stuff but wedge is just your ordinary guy off the street who came up through the ranks and he actually started out in the empire and um uh he actually you know if you listen to the original radio dramas, um, the old uh, NPR ones from years ago, there's this really cool scene where he comes back and sees Luke and then he says he's got a defect and, you know, as soon as we land whatever planet, we're going to find the rebellion and blah, blah, blah. So he's a really cool character, but we just don't know enough about him. So whether this book fleshes out some more details with him or whether he's just going to be a Dominic you know, generic character and he's just going to pop up and have a conversation and then bugger off. Who knows? But has this cheered you up a little bit? Do you like Wedge or no? He's definitely not Dominic Bornahan. You know, it's, <laughs> this is a lot, this is a lot, don't, if Dominic, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I think you're a beautiful looking person. Um, yeah, man, this is awesome. And uh, y- 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 they've brought Wedge back a little bit in canon recently as well by um, bringing, he was, he did, he did the defection from the old radio dramas. He did that again in Rebels. Mm-hmm. Um, he was that guy, wasn't he, in Rebels who, who defected. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was interesting to me to see that he was, um, 
Number well, there's two things actually. Number one, to see that you're right, it was it was one of the European versions of the book, which I thought was curious. Like I, I didn't quite understand that, really. I mean, it's going to get out. I don't. I just didn't quite get that. Um, but also, you've got then you've got the resistance slash rebellion logo in the background, and I think obviously when you look at like the Last Jedi, everything was decimated. There was no one doing it. You can see Leia reaching out to someone that she knows, similar to how uh, Bail Organa and Mon Mothma in Rogue One were like, "Go and get your Jedi friend. Go and get that little bad boy." Um, <laughs> you know, you can see this being something. Akbar's gone in the Last Jedi. You know, there, there was there's no one theoretically to deal with that. But what's also interesting is that. He was featured in, in the Aftermath novels. He is like this romantic love interest for Nora Wexley, who was the person that brought down Ray Sloan and, and, and really kind of had probably some of the first dealings with what would become the First Order over Jakku. And, and you know, he was there. He was at Jakku and he was doing all this. He knows Snap Wexley, which is um, the guy that played Matt Parkman out of Heroes, JJ's mate, who's the, the, the X-Wing pilot in Force Awakens and Last Jedi. So it's actually, even though, yeah, it's an amazing New Hope callback, and I think it's a fantastic character addition if he does appear. Um, but it's interesting because there are some threads there to pull on as well, where you can you can start to link some of the other literature together. Not that you'd need to, because I think him just being there anyway is enough. But for the uber geeks, you know, just that throwaway line, yeah, I was at Jakku, and you're like, ah, wait a minute, I saw that in Aftermath. So that... I, I like this connectivity between things, which kind of brings me back to my, um, my my kind of point earlier about the Dominic character, you know, someone of that stature. It's probably unlikely that he's not connected to anything. Um, so, yeah, dude, I think this is cool. I think this is really cool. It, it's just, why do you think they've not announced it? Why do you think they've done it like this? That's a good question. Uh, maybe they feel like his character is not, doesn't carry the the weight that, you know, a lot of fans potentially think he does because he hasn't popped up in anything, has he, other than Rebels since then. So he's a name that certain fans might recognise from from the OT and from A New Hope, but maybe he just doesn't carry enough gravitas for them to to make it a worthy announcement. You know, if they put something out and says, oh, Wedge Antilles is going to be back, people might be like, oh, okay, cool. Who was that, who yeah, was that that's guy a fair again? point. Who was that guy? Can't remember. Was he a pilot? I think he was a, you know, um, don't get me wrong. I think he is quite popular within slightly more, especially OT fans, but I don't know. Maybe they will. Maybe this is just a, a slip up. Maybe this wasn't meant to be shown mm-hmm. or something. Maybe. But it's a cool character to bring back. It is. It is. And I'm, I'm interested in particular to see if he is back in, in the, you know, this, he, he might just be for the book. That might just be a painting. You know, it might just be a painting. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, and he, he might just be for the book and not in the film. But interestingly, if he does show up in the movie, uh, and they'll probably cover this in the book as well, like, you know, Luke's dead. Yeah. And they were obviously buddies. So there's there's something to explore there. You know, that kind of stuff that Luke never was able to explore with Han, um, which we know a lot of people find a bit of a disservice. So there's, you know, maybe there's a lesson learned there as well. You know, we've got to give a bit of an emotional payoff, and the only way we can do it is to do it through Luke instead of you know, making the same mistake. So I, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's curious though. I like it. I like it a lot. Yes. It's always good to bring back. You, you don't want to do it too often. You don't want to just flood. Uh, you don't want to flood it with old characters just for fan service, but it's cool when you can pick out a particular character and bring them back. So mm-hmm. there we go. Where Gentile is. I'm not sure if he pop up in anything else, but at the moment he's going to be what looks like anyway, uh, running with Poe Dameron, which is cool. Yeah, uh, next cool. up. Last week, when I did my solo show, I covered some of the things that were coming out of New York Comic Con this year. Uh, 
and I focused mainly on the statues and collectibles and merch, that kind of thing. And I did mention in that show that on the Del Rey booth, there was like a, a convention exclusive for the Thrawn, the final book there. But then I said, and there's nothing else from Del Rey. It's, it's a bit quiet there. And then literally the day after <laughs> I recorded that, they then announced a load of new books. So I didn't have a chance to talk about those. But um, uh, a few good ones from their announcement is the Clone Wars TV uh, show that was very you know, one of the best animated things, not just Star Wars, but in general, in my opinion, uh, is going to be uh, seeing their own release of books that are going to be slightly more uh, focused on, uh, what's the best way to put it? So they're not going to novelize every single thread and every single episode of The Clone Wars, but what they're going to do is do like a, a, a written version of various episodes i guess they're going to pull out ones that are the most popular i guess and focus on certain story arcs and characters so it it won't be like a hundred books of all the clone wars but it will be a series of books that pull out some of those cool threads so that's very cool because we've got the clone wars coming back is that going to be a disney plus thing it is isn't it the new gotta be yeah, yeah i'm sure it is so that's going to be cool. So plenty more Clone Wars. It's it's interesting that the Clone Wars, it's a bit of a tangent, but it's interesting that the Clone Wars era has lasted as long as it has, to be honest with you, because I'm not going to tread old ground, but all of the initial backlash that came out of the whole prequel stuff uh, is kind of having a bit of a turnaround over the last couple of years. And all of the a lot of the updates that have appeared in Battlefront 2 over the last year have all been Clone Wars focused. Uh, obviously, Clone Wars is coming back, um, and now these books and so on. So it's interesting to me that at one point, fans were ready to destroy this era, especially that film, Attack of the Clones. Uh, but now everyone seems to be wanting more. So uh, that's really cool. And then just two other books that looked very cool um, were the uh, the new Thrawn trilogy. So another series of... I, they have to bring him back in some... I think you were right, dude. You mentioned this about a month ago, I think, in that because Ezra and Thrawn are out in the, in, in the galaxy somewhere, those characters are definitely not done. And although it's very cool that we're getting new books, and this new... So the new Thrawn trilogy is called the Ascendancy Trilogy. And I'm not sure what time... They might pick that up straight after the current one that's just finished, or they might do something completely different. There's no real details on that yet, but... He's such a great character. They have to do something more with him, dude. They have Mm -hmm. to bring him back in an upcoming animated show or Ryan Johnson, surely. I don't know, something. They have to do something cool with that. And then the last one, uh, the last um, book that they were going to, again, this is a continuation of the series, is the Alphabet Squadron. So they're going to follow up with Shadowfall, um, which I think, again, is going to form a trilogy of stories for the Alphabet Mm -hmm. Squadron. So... Some good stuff to get the teeth into. You're a massive reader, as we all know. You plough through plenty of books, so this must be good news. This must cheer you up a little bit today. Oh, hugely. This is my jam. Um, <laughs> there's, uh, there's a couple of interesting things in that. So the Throne trilogy, the new one apparently is set as a prequel to everything else that we've seen um, in this particular canon anyway for Throne. So this is apparently to do with his time as a soldier in the Ascendancy. Um. Now, I'm assuming that it's going to finish and lead up to where we discover him on the planet at the beginning of the original Throne trilogy in the, in the new canon, where he's running around and trying to get the attention of the Empire and just decimate. You know, it goes That's all... cool, that bit. It goes... Yeah. 
Yeah, he goes like John Matrix on them, completely like Arnie Commando style and just takes them all down and gets the attention of the Emperor. So I think it's going to run up to that, which I think is curious. But there's a few things in this that, that, that make it interesting for me. So number one, this idea of the Chiss and um, the Gorsk, the people that they were, the Chiss were fighting against, the Grisk, sorry, um, that they were fighting against in the Throne trilogy that we've just finished. You know what I mean? You've got to think that these guys have got to be a threat to this galaxy, you know, so outside of the unknown regions, coming into the galaxy. It does make you wonder, like, what what else can they do with this? You know, you've got potentially at least two more film trilogies kicking off, Benioff and Weiss, which are probably Old Republic, and then you've got the Ryan Johnson one. Like, these characters are really, really good, and it just makes you think, could they do something with that? So I just wonder, like, why would you put so much effort into Thrawn otherwise? And you know what you what you just mentioned about Ezra as well, it's interesting. And I, I do think that th- that last Throne book, it was good, but it wasn't quite as good as the other two. In fact, I think it was a little bit, little bit more lacking than the other two. Like they didn't pay off the Eli Vanto relationship very well, didn't pay off the Vader relationship, the Anakin relationship too well, the Emperor relationship. It was all left a little bit loose, and it just leads me to believe that they're probably going to do a little bit more with that character um, because it's interesting that obviously Ezra and Thrawn disappeared what six months a year before A New Hope in timeline Yeah, and you yeah. think that's quite an interesting time period to explore because if Thrawn being Thrawn comes back at any time following any level of Empire defeat you know this TIE Defender program was up against a Death Star for funding, then suddenly Death Star 1's gone. So I think there's a, this whole, even just that four-year, five-year time period up to Return of the Jedi between where they left and where Return of the Jedi ends, even just that bit for Thrawn could be quite interesting. Um, plus mm. everything thereafter. So I, I'm interested by that. Alphabet Squadron interests me. Um, to a degree, I found that original book hard to read because it was like, number one, it's like a bit of a dogfighting kind of action set up. So that's really kind of sometimes quite hard to keep track of. Then there's all of the new characters, like every character is new apart from Hera, Sindulla. So every character was new. So you got hit with everything. It was like, wait a minute, new ships, new locations, new time frame, all these new characters with all these different motivations. So it was, it, it felt like work. But I think because of Shadow Wing, the, the kind of special ops force that was in that book from the Empire, like the second book has got a lot more potential because you, you, you're almost used to those characters now. Um, so that's curious. And the Clone Wars stuff I think is interesting as well. We'll see what happens with that one. But the other thing that they're doing, which I know you've seen is, you know, we said they were closing down Star Wars, the Marvel comic run. Well, they're relaunching that at a, at a new issue one, which being a DC guy, ordinarily I'd be a little bit annoyed about. Because DC relaunches its comics now like every three weeks. It's like, guess what? There's a new number one. You know, I fell for that before, mate. Like, we get this. <laughs> yeah. But this one, I actually don't mind it because they're doing a... It seems like what they're trying to do. I mean, they, they did that massive run of Star Wars, which was... Um, it was after A New Hope, wasn't it? So you found out all the stuff about the Emperor um, creating Anakin. You found out that Boba Fett had told Vader that he got a son. It was or not necessarily that he got a son, but it was. I found out the guy's name that blew up the Death Star. It's Skywalker. So you got all that good stuff. And this one picks up the second that Vader chops off Luke's hand in Empire Strikes Back. So it seems like there's actually a pretty good reason for once for recreating a number one. 
because um, they've jumped the time. You know, it's, it's a very specific thing they're trying to explore. So I'm excited about that. I'm, I'm probably excited about that more than anything else. I think that's going to be really interesting. Hmm. You're not fussed. You grumpy sod. <laughs> I don't know. I'm always dubious about these reruns, like the new number ones. Because, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you for why. I'll tell you for why. Is because if they did a completely different timeline. See, the problem is this is going to have a lot of overlap with lots of comic stories that have come before. So where are they going to go with this after... I mean, don't get me wrong, it looks great. I, I, I can't find out who the artist is on this, but the 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 panels that we've seen so far of Luke's hand tumbling down the the huge vent um, and Vader and stuff, it looks great. But I'm just wondering, what are they going to do once this scene is done? Are we just going to retread the films? Are we just going to retread other stories? So if they can somehow do this in a way that it highlights things and characters that we might not have seen as much in this time period, then great. That'd be cool. But if we're just going to retread the same thing, then I don't know, man, I can't see them selling many comics. If it's just going to be a retelling of stuff mm-hmm. we already know, you know? So yeah, I'm 50, 50 on it at the moment. Yeah. I think it'll be character stuff. Personally, I think it'll be, how did Luke go from that guy that got his arm chopped off to being the all black wearing Jedi Knight? Um, and, and, and what, prompted him to do that what was that scenario did he go back to Dagobah um, before we saw Return of the Jedi <laughs> come back you will <laughs> Skywalker how come we don't call him Walker Sky <laughs> Walker Sky you are <laughs> <laughs> this is thrown up a good question isn't Indeed. it just yeah Frank Oz if you're listening I like your impression dude very good spot on well, you know, that's, it's the only thing I do. I work on it nightly. Don't, don't uh, waste your evenings, do you? No. <laughs> waste evenings? I do not. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I think there'll be some of that stuff. Like, does Luke, you know, what does Luke do with this information? How does he process it? How does he get the bionic hand? You know, is that the first step? And also, I think there's something very interesting, which I saw online, um, which is, Obviously, we know that or we, we, we believe or it can, it, it can certainly be postulated that Vader was feeding Palps a load of BS, you know, all the way from the second he realised that he got a kid. It's like, yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you, old man. Don't worry. The Emperor's like, I want the young one. And Vader's like, I'm going to get the kid. We're going to kill this old guy. So there's all that duplicitous stuff going on that Siths are famous for. Um, and I think there's something interesting about the choice that he made. Rather than just, dis- and this is something that, that I saw online, I can't remember where, that made me think about it. Like, Vader's decision not to disarm Luke, but to quite literally decapitate him. Not decapitate him, didn't take his head off, but take his arm off, you know, and, and just mirror. And I know this is, re- it's, it's a retcon, but mirroring Anakin's own fall. You know, his first thing was Dooku chopping his hand off. You know, that was, in canon, that's probably now a decision that Anakin made behind the mask to do that to Luke as a way of saying, well, wait a sec, this is how it started for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if they if they cover some of that that psychological stuff, you know, that personal stuff, I think that's where Star Wars gets interesting recently, is just the decisions and I, there seems to be wanting to be a lot of connectivity between the prequels, the OT and the sequels. And, and I think if they follow that path, 
you know, you see, it it was kind of similar to like uh, Lords of the Sith, where you saw a lot of Vader's introspection, which was like, wait a second, this I've not done this kind of thing since I was with Padme, and I've not done this kind of thing since Obi Wan did this thing, and he's kind of trying to push these thoughts out of his mind. So I think more of that would be interesting, um, but we'll see, we'll see. I can see this dropping a few revelations, if I'm honest. I, I I'm with you totally. I hope they don't retread the old stuff, but I can see them dropping a few revelations here. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, they're not. They're not stupid guys either. You know, they know that they know great storytellers and narrative. They're kings of that stuff. You know, but yeah. And I think it would be good to revisit some stuff that we didn't see in the films of Luke as well, like you just mentioned. All that stuff at the end of of Empire, when we see him in Jedi, he just turns up as this badass Jedi that's obviously progressed his skills quite a bit, and he's obviously made his his own lightsaber and all that stuff. It would be good to. We saw a little bit of that in some of the deleted scenes that they put on the Blu-ray set. So that was okay, but they're just little snapshots. We don't see why he's doing those things. So, yeah, I'll pick it up. Obviously, most... we'll, we'll pick him up, won't we? But yeah. yeah, we'll pick it. We'll pick it up, right? But the, well, no, sorry to jump in. But the um, one of the interesting things for me was always like, why did Luke turn out in black? Like, why was he dressed like that in Return of the Jedi? Like, no other Jedi that you can think of dressed like that. It's ridiculous because heat, you know, black absorbs the heat. So when you go to Tatooine and you've got two sons and you're dressed in black, it's like, all right, dude, think about it. That's why Ray's got that. She's got it now because she dresses in white and light gray. So maybe he got confused. Maybe he thought Jabba lived in a hut. Maybe it was like <laughs> Jabba from the hut. And he got a little bit confused. And he's like, my name's Luke Skywalker. I'm a Jedi. I'm sweating. <laughs> I'm going to remove this cloak. <laughs> it just got a little bit confused. I reckon that's what it is because sometimes you do see typos, especially if he's, you know, he's got that big old door to get through to get into Jabba's palace. You get to the signing on that, a lot of those don't work. So dress code, a lot that might just not have been working. It could have frozen. I bet it was running Windows. That's what it'll be. It'll be running Windows. Probably Windows Vista. A Vista. That'll be the one. Bloody Vista. Causing problems again. Thanks, Bill Gates. <laughs> Back it is, again. Here's a big old door as well. Which is ridiculous, really. I mean, what does it need to get through that door? Yeah, I, when I was younger, I used to think, does he park the sail barge in there? Oh, that's like, interesting. So I honestly like thought that. Yeah, but it's not big enough to be a hangar, though. That's the thing. When you see the camera angle from that, that further down the corridor and you see 3PO and R2 walking through, it doesn't look big enough. But at the, from the outside, it looks huge. And the door takes like a year to, I don't know. Mm. It's an interesting design choice. Jabba the OTT, that's what we're calling him. Jabba. Yeah, but maybe Luke just miffed with, you know, he doesn't want to follow fashion. He doesn't want to be like every other Jedi. You know, he knows he's the last one, or potentially the last one. He's got to do what I want. Do you know what as well? Shut your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good impression. Anyways. That's one of the funny things, just to kind of note that. I'm the one of the last Jedi, like at Return of the Jedi point, and then you start to see all these other comics and books, and you realise there's basically like probably another thirty five thousand of them out there. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like this. Oh yeah, Rebels is like we should kill Kanan because we can't have a another Jedi knocking about, and then you're like, wait a second, wait. We're discovering all these little knockabout Jedi somewhere. Come on, like if Obi Wan can get away with it and Yoda can get away with it. You know someone else is getting away with it. Ahsoka's still out there. She's having a laugh at everyone's expense. Do you know well, what I mean? Yeah. The Emperor didn't quite do his homework, did he? He's like, Order 66, this is going to take them all out. 
Mm. Yeah, I, I reckon 66. The reason it was called 66 was because that's how many they thought were left. <laughs> that, that's their average percentage. It's not order 100. It's like 100% of Jedis. It's no, we'll, we'll take out about 66%. The rest of them it. we can deal with later. Yeah, that, sh- that, that, should, that should do it. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimate power. Unlimited. Actually, two thirds power. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's not unlimited, is it? It's like potential power yeah just do enough power just just as much as we need don't overspend on it don't uh, overspend Anakin. yeah it, it, <laughs> dude we could rewrite this easily oh easy yeah star wars episode one it all starts going wrong do it do it do it right that's <laughs> book that's the digression done. that's the di- <laughs> posters now before you went away or or while you were away one of the two you noticed a, uh, a bunch of really cool posters that had just recently dropped for the Rise of Skywalker. And the only note on our Trello board was, dude, we need to discuss these when I'm back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's my bad. I bet that's my bad. No, no, that was cool. That was cool. I read you. I, I get, you know, I'll get where you're coming from. Well, we'll put a link into this in the show notes, actually. So anyone that's listening. So if you're listening, guys, you can... Uh you can you can just get a feel for what we're talking about. But the main crux of it was, you know that badass post that we discussed before I went away, the one with Kylo Ren looking from right to left? Mm. Well, there's the other half of that now, which is the one with Rey. And sure enough, it looks like the twin sons are making an appearance. Um, mm-hmm. You've got basically the same image again with Rey and the light side of the Force. That's blatantly how it's played, but there's obviously a Tatooine callback to that. Um, and if you dig into it, I had to steal the uh, CDN URL from Superhero Hype for this one. So sorry, guys. But I've got it blown up on my screen now. And it's kind of curious. Like, it's quite interesting. There's not, honestly, on the light side of things, there is literally not much going on. There is not much. It's basically set up as... Because you think about it, like, Luke's gone, Han's gone. You've got Leia, who's not even on this poster, which I find very interesting. You've got C-3PO looking like Kevin Costner out of Robin Hood and or with Chewie's Bowcaster. <laughs> Can't quite figure out what's going on with that one. Then you've got a couple of the new characters, uh, Kerry Russell's character and a couple of the others. Then you've got Lando there. But but you've basically not got much else. It's like, okay, we've got three or four fighters. There's a Y-wing, a few X-wings, what looks like maybe, like I can't see if it's a B-wing or whatever, and then the Falcon. And that's pretty much it. And then on the other side, you've got Kylo with like this mass... Of, of First Order troopers or Empire troopers or Sith troopers or clone troopers, whoever they are. So that's quite curious. I thought that was an interesting like juxtaposition, how they put that together. And it's obviously intended to set up the Kylo and Rey uh, conflict, which I'm pretty sure, and I'm fairly sure everyone is sure of this, that at some point in the film, they will become kind of partners and do something. Um. So it's just um, interesting, but the thing that got me really curious about not just this poster, but the entire poster set is something that you mentioned a while ago, which was that these posters don't feel very Star Wars. So if you go to this link in the show notes, the superhero hype link in the show notes, and then just scroll to the Knights of Ren one. So if you, I don't know if you've got that up, guys. But yeah, I've got it. Yep. What's that? Like, what is that? That does It feels more like John Wick. And I get what they're trying to do. Like If you look at it, the Knights of Ren... So you've got Kylo Ren in the background, big ominous Darth Vader style pose, and then you've got the four Knights of Ren who appear 
to be holographic. Five. It feels like they're on the hollow net, and then the word knights is kind of intended to be flashing like as if it's an unstable hollow net connection. Mm-hmm. But the design doesn't feel Star Wars. You're a designer guy, you know this. And it doesn't feel Star Wars, does it? Not at all, buddy. No, the only poster that feels star that feels like Star Wars, if you scroll through these, you'll come to one that's got uh, a bunch of stormtroopers at the bottom, and then it's got Kylo holding his lightsaber in a really cool way. And then above him, you've got Ray, mm-hmm. you know, and in the background, you've got that typical um, Empire de- uh, Death Star kind of light pattern. Are you looking at the same one I am? Mm-hmm. Uh, that feels kind of Star Wars. It's got that typical montage of all the characters and there's some ships in there and stuff. That's the only one that almost feels like it's a Star Wars poster. The other ones, you're absolutely right. They don't feel, I can see what they're trying to do. They're taking a very modern approach to it. And some of them lead on from the art style from The Last Jedi, where they had this monochrome effect, but then they they pulled out certain things in the bright red. Uh, and they've done a similar thing with Ray. They've turned her colours you know, from the blue color. Um, but yeah, the rest of them, they just don't feel like it. It feels like a really, uh, obscure support book that you might see in a bookshop. Like a, like a, I don't know, you know, like the, the visual dictionary of something. It feels like that. It doesn't feel like a classic movie no. style poster. It doesn't um, feel even official. Like to me, it doesn't feel no. like it's an official, like one of them that you'll see, like you said, in a discount bookstore, which they're always sources of amazing information. But it's like they've just commissioned someone to kind of do this. And it's just, it, I don't know. And it feels, I feel like they're trying a little bit hard as well to put light side and dark side together. It's a complete bait and switch mm. in my view. You know, it, 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 they've never done that before. It just feels too obvious. Yeah. No, Rager. Uh One cool poster though, which I do like, which does have an arc back to the, uh, a callback, sorry, to the old, almost sort of painter style. Uh, posters is the Mandalorian um, mm. poster, uh, not the one with just him, the, the main character of his own, but the one with the IG eighty eight droid and uh, some of the other characters and the big red sun in the background. That looks that's a lovely poster. It really is, and I love the branding for that. The way they've um, kind of got that gunslinger, so the word Mandalorian, and 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 the way they've 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 used that negative space with a character in the air. I think it's really well designed. All of this stuff is really well designed. Agreed, mate. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I think the Mandalorian is going to be one of the best things that's happened for Star Wars in a while. I really do. I think it's going to be such a great uh, series. And you can see this thread running through all of it. You can see this. Um, uh, if you think about the the color, I'm going to get a bit techie here, like the color, the visual language that they've used in the films, it's very much... Uh, there's, there's certain cues that you can pull out, but the overall aesthetic is very clean and very um, uh, quite um, vivid. Um, whereas the Mandalorian, it looks very much like they've gone for that darker brownie hues and mm-hmm. um, it's very dark. Almost feels a bit like Rogue One in a sense, where it's not bright and colourful. So uh, I think that's a much needed shift from the movies at the moment. And I really think like, I, I really feel like it's going to be such a great visual experience to, cause they've pumped so much money into it. You can tell that the cameras would have been top notch and all of the design stuff would have been great. So, um, yeah, but going back to the posters, dude, um, they don't feel star Wars. The only one, like I said, is one I just described, but then the one that you, you talked us through. Yeah. The light side's not got much going for it, has it? 
No, and I, like I said, I'm pretty sure it's a complete bait and switch. You know, there was there's that talk of the new trailer landing on the 21st, and I saw a description of that one earlier, and I think it's been floated around. It's something for us to discuss, but they're even talking about, like you said online earlier, warning, spoilers for the Star Wars trailer, which will give away massive plot details. I'm like, no, it won't. Like, what? <laughs> no, it will. No, it won't. Like, and they were saying, yes, apparently Kylo Ren finds an old man Darth Sidious and he tries to strike him down and Sidious laughs and I'm like, alright, look, listen. We know Palps is back. <laughs> There's no way on earth that that is a spoiler. No way. No way. That's to get bums on seats and there'll be that much going on in this film that everyone will just be like, I can't even remember the trailer. After the movie, we can't, we'll not even be able to remember it because it's that incon... It, it doesn't say anything. It's that inconsequential. Um... So this is one thing that I think is interesting as we ramp up to the Rise of Skywalker. The posters, like they've got to do a job. The trailer, they've got to do a job with the trailer. But it's bl- they are not spoiling a damn thing. Imagine if JJ spoiled something. Oh my word. Yeah. And JJ has a habit as well of not including stuff in the film that's in the trailers. Mm-hmm. There was quite a bit in the original Force Awakens trailer that didn't end up in the film anyway. So mm-hmm. he, he's done that with Star Trek as well. So I can't, I really can't imagine it being a massive like, oh my God, we don't need to see the film now moment it would you know like you said once you've once you've seen it you you only remember the trailer until you rewatch it on youtube years later when you reminisce about the trailers yeah yeah i agree man so that was a good shout dude it's cool to talk through those posters i'm a bit disappointed i will be honest with you in the visual style but apart from the mandalorian that looks cool uh that's going to do it for um for news uh, before we crack on with our review and discussion, uh, just another uh, little reminder that you can support our show if you like what we do here at Spark of Rebellion. Just head over to Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash Spark of Rebellion. You can jump onto various tiers there and bag yourself some SOR swag and uh, all the way up to producer credits and whatnot and appear on the show and and tell us what you want to do for the, the random spotlight and whatnot. That'd be great to have your support there and we love our current patrons, thank you so much for um, for supporting us every single month. Uh, right, moving on to review and discussion. This is going to be around one of our fave characters that you guys probably would have guessed by now if you've listened to the show for a while, is Obi-Wan Kenobi. And this is another one of those awesome um, fan theories, uh, fan theory things, which is basically insinuating that the Chosen One, which we all know has been officially canonized, detailed as being uh, Anakin Skywalker, this theory actually says that no, Anakin is not the Chosen One. It's actually a better uh, a better idea to actually highlight Obi-Wan Kenobi as the Chosen One for various reasons. And we'll go through a few of those. So the first one being that Obi-Wan... Uh, is the only Jedi that's actually been pretty successful in the majority of his lightsaber battles. He hasn't had any limbs chopped off. He hasn't had any, uh, you know, he hasn't had anything gone horribly wrong. Now, there is a slight caveat to this in that, yes, in A New Hope, he does get chopped down by Vader. However, the sub or the argument to that caveat is that that was his plan anyway. His plan wasn't to defeat Vader and so on. His plan was to uh, leave the, the the kind of mortal world and uh, and and 
pass over into the netherworld of the Force so that he could come back and advise Luke and help and all that stuff. And that's one of the, the ideas in his theory is that he was potentially one of the first people to actually go through to the netherworld of the Force and then come back and commune with people. So he's a bit of a badass, you know, his, his Force powers are really good. And uh, when he was fight, um, when he was fighting Darth Maul, uh, his, uh, his master, so he was a Padawan at this point, his master lost the battle, but he came back and literally chopped him in half. And then he also progressed a bit further when we see him in Attack of the Clones. He's the dude that takes out Grievous, chops all of his arms off and shoots him and blah, blah, blah. So this theory essentially says, look, we recognize that Anakin is a very powerful force user and all the rest of it, but Obi-Wan has been doing all of these really cool things along the way and actually is the dude that's kind of driving the plot a little bit and, and having all this stuff going on. So I kind of on board with this a little bit. It, it kind of debunks or erases the whole chosen one official canon approach that they have with Anakin and, uh, and Darth Vader, but it's kind of cool because we love Obi. What's your take on this one, bud? Oh, I'd love to think this was true, but it's blatantly not. Like, I'd love, I'd love this to be true because I'm a <laughs> massive Obi-Wan fan as well, but like the, the evidence, you know, if you stack it up in a certain way, it does match up. Like, he took Anakin down uh, theoretically at or very near to the height of his powers. Um, you know, and even Anakin, the chosen one, couldn't beat him. And this is a guy that, you know, s- fixed up the son and daughter on Mortis. You know, he was, he, he was this guy. And... <laughs> I would love to think that that was the case. And, you know, regardless of canon, we, I, I don't know. I'm sh- I know obviously Anakin has been declared, but is that still like post-Lucas selling out canon or not? I believe not so. sure. Yeah. Is it? Right, okay. I wasn't sure if we'd heard anything different on that one. But, yeah, it would be bizarre if we if they changed that. Um, so, sadly, no, I, I don't think this is this is the case. Um I think you know, there's arguments throughout, isn't there, for that? Well, Qui-Gon Jinn taught Obi-Wan how to do it, so surely he's the chosen one. And he was the one that brought Anakin into the fold and theoretically balanced the light and dark side at the end. You know, he, he found Anakin and he was the one that led to the... You know, it, there's so much that you can do with any character, really. Um, it would be nice, and I think it's good for Obi-Wan to be getting his due as a bit of a badass. But no, I, I, I don't think there's much in this, sadly, my man. No, I agree. I don't think the story group are suddenly going to declare Obi Wan as the um, as the dude from the Jedi Council and whatnot. But it would be cool though because he has done so much throughout all of the movies. To be honest with you, he's been the one that's apart from the um, obviously the the sequel trilogy. He he was the guy though that uh, yeah, like you said, Anakin can be you know the chosen one that's meant to have this immense power. Because Palpatine you know, does say to Yoda that he will be more powerful than any of us. So Palpatine envisions him to to progress and actually be more powerful than people like Yoda and and Palps and all the rest of it. But, you know, he couldn't be um, Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan is the guy that very humorously now, looking back on it, takes the high ground. Oh, yeah, it's amazing. And he, he does it with such panache. That's the beautiful thing about Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's never flustered. No. Nah. Like, he never gets annoyed. And that's what's always interesting. Like, you know, at 55, 58, 60 years old, he goes to face a 42 to 45-year-old Vader. Um, and he still don't care. He's still <laughs> like, yeah. Like, he, I know it was a much different choreography style back then, but he, he still fought him to a standstill. Yeah, he did. You know, yeah. It's not like he just went, do you know what? 
I'm going to let these guys get away. You crack on. Like, if you want to, yeah, fine. All right, you have this. That's almost like, it's like when you, like, if I let, you know, you let your girlfriend win at pool. <laughs> She's like, well, no, don't let me win. Like, I want to win. Don't let me win because then I've not won. And that's what Obi-Wan did. He's just like, ha either way. Uh, round two, Obi-Wan. Like, I, just, <laughs> I just let you win. I let you win. Yeah. So, he's yeah, he's a pretty badass. And he... Uh, I'm always intrigued because he's like the glue that I think links everything together as much as Anakin and Luke are always there and, and you know, the Skywalker family are always there. I think Obi-Wan's that person that links the wider universe into these central characters. You see it in the books, you see it in the TV shows. You, I, I think we're going to see more of Obi-Wan as well moving forward. I think we're going to start to see um, just a lot more of him throughout the literature and the comics um, just because he feels like he's almost like the personification of Blue Milk. Like, no one knew it was going to go this well. No one knew people were latching onto it, but they did. And then he's become the thing. And so I, I do think we'll see a little bit more of him. But as for this particular theory, as much as I love the idea of it, I don't, I don't, think, I don't think it's true. Yeah. And let's not forget also that Obi-Wan did have, he had no hesitation in, uh, in whipping off uh, Ponder Baba's arm in the cantina when he has a bit of a kerfuffle with Luke. He's like, look, back off, man. I don't want Funny to. Funny thing about that is, like, you know, I've been in hired him for 30 years. First time I step into a pub. The first time. <laughs> the first time. Yoda's going to go mental. Yeah. I, do you know what? That's the genius of the, of the Kenobi uh, book uh, that came out. Because that book focuses a lot on Obi Wan trying to just stay elusive and not get involved in anything. Every single time he goes to this. I think it's like a glorified supermarket, essentially, where there's a bit of a love connection with the woman. I can't remember her character's name that owns that place. And uh, she's essentially trying to coax him into being part of the community a bit more. And and he's like, no, 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 I'm just going to stay here in my little hut, my little my little house here with the rug and the fire. I'm all good. And then every time he turns up, there's like a gangster shootout and he ends up getting involved and stuff. So, yeah, that's a genius of that book. But anyway, yeah, it's... Uh, Obi-Wan being the chosen one, it would be kind of cool in a way, but like you said, can't see it happening at all. I was going to say anytime soon, but no. Do you think he talks about himself in the third person? So it's like... Or like The Rock. Yeah, but it's more like when he wants something. So it's more like Obi-Wan pot noodle. Like (laughs) Obi-Wan drink. (laughs) I feel like if I had that name, I'd start to do stuff. So that girl in the, uh, you know, the woman in the supermarket, it'd be like... Obi want phone number. <laughs> Do you mean like, as in like the force in general, or just Obi Wan doing this? No, oh, just Obi Wan. Just Obi Wan. Yeah. So because his name's Obi Wan Kenobi, isn't it? So it's like I can have a bit of fun with this. Obi Wan new hut. Obi Wan. Obi Wan new chair. Obi Wan new lightsaber. <laughs> I th- <laughs> for a moment there, I thought you meant like, do not tease Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan's going to be the guy to lay the candy out, smack down. And, no. No, 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 Just for stuff he wants, like Ob- Obi-Wan kebab. Obi-Wan kebab, yeah. Oh, that's a good one. You know, yeah, it's like- just... Because they've all got the little foibles, haven't they? You know, Anakin talks like a 13-year-old. Luke talks like a 14-year-old. And then you've got Yoda <laughs> who talks like we've just discussed. And then like Obi-Wan's got nothing. He's just like... Much to learn you have. And I just feel like it'd be, it'd be a lot better if the unseen side of him was him walking into the canteen and just having a little snigger to himself like, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Obi-Wan drink. 
Obi Wan beer. Obi Wan beer. Yeah, I can see what you mean because yeah, Anakin's like the miserable little master, and he's like, oh, here we go. Obi Wan, shut up. <laughs> and he's just like, Obi Wan, oh. you to leave. Obi Wan, you to leave. <laughs> Before I chop your legs off, do one. Uh, Obi Wan, Qui Gon, back, please, <laughs> anytime. <laughs> Oh, if only we saw what happened when the cameras are not rolling. Oh, yeah, I love that. I like to feel like, like I said, he'd have this little <laughs> wry sense of humour with that. He'd have a little bit of bants with himself. He'd be like, well, you know, Yoda never said, uh, don't have a laugh with it, though, did he? You know? Exactly, yeah. And he's a bit like that as well, Obi-Wan. He's a little bit yeah. like uh, a little green dude. He's not He's not the boss of me. Yeah, he's like, live too bloody fast sometimes, actually. <laughs> live fast, die old. <laughs> I knew that we couldn't go a show without inserting some kind of quote from the office in there. So live too bloody fast to. sometimes. In a way. Yeah. So Oh God, look. Yeah. Left that oh. there again. Oh. That's anyway. amazing. Anyways. So basically we've come to the conclusion that because of the beard link in the third person, that Obi Wan is now the David Brent of the Star Wars universe. Oh, is that a lightsaber? You can still get him. So. Can you imagine David Brent in the Star Wars? You, I can, oh. That'd be the ultimate crossover. The ultimate, and it would be the funniest thing. Darth Vader's ever. like, yeah. Brent, did you get this Imperial Star Destroyer ready for Alderaan? And he's like, well, didn't call ahead, did you? Not going to call ahead. Not going <laughs> to yeah. call ahead. Well, remember, I used to do your job, so I know the hours you're working. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Palps is like, I'm going to initiate order 66. And he's like, did not get the have, memo. What you, <laughs> I was going to say, I would have gone 70, agenda. but okay. yeah. Yeah. but he's like, did not get an agenda. No. <laughs> <laughs> or he's one of the, um, he's one of the clone uh, commanders and he just didn't take out any of the Jedi. I was like, why don't you take him out? Did not get an agenda. No, did no get the agenda. He's oh, get- I think we got one, but went in special filing cabinet. <laughs> It's not even my joke. It's Darth yeah. Vader's. And it's supposed to be doing with bills. <laughs> Baru's there giving him the blue milk. He's like, ooh, oh, prefer, prefer a flan. He's like, I I've love spoke- it. <laughs> I've spoken with Tarkin and he's agreed to put a freeze on all overtime. <laughs> well, we call him Tarkin Meister. Not to his face. Not because we're scared of him. So. <laughs> oh God, this could go on for hours. Oh, mate, yeah. That's it. Right. Lying underneath the office, but this is genius. This is like the ultimate crossover. Oh, there was a few YouTube videos, weren't there? There was like, they put Bricktop from Snatch in Star yeah. Wars and that was genius. They've got to do a Brent one. They've got to do one. I might talk to like the Wernham blog guys um, who do the office podcast and just say, can you please do this? Because be, it would absolutely be amazing. It would be, mate. We're onto something there. Yeah. I reckon Gervais would get involved in that. We'll tweet him. At Ricky Gervais. Are you up for it? Yeah, he's not busy. Nah, he's not doing that, is he? Ah, anyways, we're going ru- to rush through the random <laughs> spotlight because we've been talking about David Brent for so long. And the spotlight this week is on one of the first toys that I ever owned as a wee lad. Ah, oh, Mr. Frosty, where you can make your own little drinks. I said one of the first. So oh, yeah, Mr. Frosty first. was probably the first, yeah. That went in the cupboard. Never never saw light a day again. Yeah, Christmas morning with a still wrapping paper fresh <laughs> on the carpet. You fire and it's up minus f- <laughs> minus five degrees outside. And you're like, Mum, can I have a, can I have an iced drink, please? Yeah, and it was, that was back in the day as well, in the early '80s, when the the colouring 
that they used to include with Mr. Frosty was like the worst thing to Big give time. kids ever. It was like sugar and e num. Oh, terrible. Anyway, so, sorry. Another digression. Another digression. Yeah. I remember as a wee lad, uh, hounding my mum constantly when we used to go to the supermarket and we used to stop at this little corner shop on the way home and they used to sell Star Wars figures. I remember picking this guy out. I'm pretty sure he was like the first, one of the first three figures I ever owned. And I just thought he looked so cool. And this was before I even saw the film. And we are talking about the Imperial Guards from, they first appeared in Return of the Jedi. Oh no, so I would have owned him before I saw the film, yeah. So these appeared in, so these are essentially, back in the days of the Empire, this would have been Palpatine saying to the Imperial Army, look, I need some bodyguards, but I need some top-level elite dudes. These are the guys that are, and the two traits that they needed to be if they wanted to be a, an Imperial Royal Guard would be, they just need to be beep hot at all of the stuff. So hand-to-hand -hand combat, you know, rifle skills, bow staff skills, all that stuff needs to be spot on. But they also need to be 100% loyal to the... To, so they had like defections going on within the, the ranks of like normal stormtroopers. But these guys, even if Palp said, look, take out your pistol and shoot yourself in the foot they need to be like unquestionably like, yeah, okay, I'll do that because you're the man. And uh, so these guys, they stuck to the emperor and they escorted him around, all the rest of it. And then we see sort of variations of this as we go through the Star Wars saga. They've popped up in various stories and their look has changed slightly. They've got the classic look, which is the, the, um, the, the, the blood red robes and that maskless helmet with the the black visor, they look so cool. And then they had another version that didn't have the long cape and it had more plasticky armor that you could see. I think that was when they were throwing down a bit more. And then we see a progression of that when we get to The Last Jedi, obviously with Snoke. He has the Praetorian guards, which they're like this elite bodyguard sort of thing. So it's like a natural progression from the old Empire days and so on. But I just think that these guys, they look so badass. And the, the other cool thing about them is that we don't know anything about them. We don't know the, the the process for, you know, do stormtroopers see a flyer on the canteen notice board or whatever? Does the emperor select them, handpick them? We don't know. But once you see them as they are, you never see them unmasked ever. So they've got this really cool mystery about them and so on. But I just think they're one of the coolest designs from the Star Wars universe. I love them. What about you, dude? The old Imperial Guards. Yeah, they're one of my earliest memories as well, actually, of, of Star Wars, that whole, you know, watching Return of the Jedi at Christmas, you, before you even realise what order Star Wars goes in, <laughs> or that there's even more than one film, you know, when you're like four, and you're like, wait a second, laser sword, this is cool, and you you know, you're exactly right, I, I was the same, it was like, wait a second, these guys are all red, look, they look pretty cool, and I always loved how they contrasted so much, you know, the... the the stormtrooper outfit, you know, intended to take away any any level of individuality from a, a, a stormtrooper, um, and and you know, obviously much more retconned in now. But the theory of the the previous clone troopers being clones and stormtroopers adopting that philosophy and removing the individuality, and I always found it interesting that the contrast between them. And I know we've introduced like death troops and so on later, but th these were like the original contrast. You know, they were the original, oh, wow, okay, this is blood red. 
against white. Like, this is really, really kind of supreme. Like, these guys are really, they're either really elite or they're really special or they're really top-level stuff. Um, and I, I always found it interesting from the perspective of, um, like, where do they fit into the story? And I know, again, it's been fleshed out in, in some of the prequels and and so on, but it always interested me as I grew up, like, how come these guys basically are even required? Because you've got Darth Vader, you've got the Emperor, who can blatantly just throw down. So I always found it, as I got a bit older, and started digging into kind of the philosophy of Star Wars a little bit, you start to think about stuff like this, and it always, not concerned me, but I'd always consider, so this is kind of a PR thing as much as anything else, because the Emperor could throw down anyone, like quite literally, no one would theoretically be able to get to him, and if, we're even going to get close to him. They'd have to go through Vader and all of these stormtroopers. So it feels like these guys are more PR. Like, okay, I'm the big dog. Thus, I've got these big dog special bodyguards. You know, that was in its most base form. Like, that's the propaganda piece of it. Uh, like, the gen- not the generals as such, but the the inner sanctum, the secret service, you know? Um, so that, that interested me as I got older. But I think just from a base level, just the design is just badass, isn't it? It's just really cool. That's the thing, yeah. The, you're absolutely right. I don't think they served... You, I, I don't think you saw them... You saw them in the prequel, didn't you? They, um, yeah. They had a throwdown a little bit. And then the other bit of action is when they're not even the Imperial Guards. It's when you see them around Snoke and Rey and Kylo, the, the Praetorian Guards. They, they're That's a lot right. more advanced, aren't they? So you see them having a bit more usage there. Um, but you're absolutely right. They don't really do anything around the Emperor back in the OT. They're just there to a bit more of a status thing rather than a, um, you know, not not much of a utility thing. They're just there to to say, like, this guy's the dude. He's got his own special uh, thing. But, yeah, the design is amazing. They just look they look so good. And it's just that colour pull as well. So from the original trilogy, you didn't really see anything that was this bright blood red. <clears throat> the only thing you saw was, like, a few little buttons on Darth Vader and and so on so and the lightsaber of course um but just the whole design of of these guys was so cool and uh yeah i mentioned that you you didn't you never saw them unmasked but it'd be funny if like the emperor's like so who's who's on duty today one of them takes the mask off it's brent in it <laughs> david brent i presume and he's like <laughs> in the flesh yeah <laughs> you're simply the best yeah. <laughs> oh, go and get the guitar he went home to get it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's like a little thing that we sign off all Brentisms with. Go and get the guitar. He went home to get it. Went to get it. <laughs> Such a good bit when Tim just pops up. He went home to get it. Went home to get it. So no, I think they're, I think they're pretty badass, dude. I think it's one of those. Um, they're one of those again. It's another blue milk. Like it's, there's so many things in Star Wars that um that that no one expected to be a hit or to take off or to have pop cultural impact or to really become part of the lore or the mythology or even just the fandom. And I think like, you know, these these guards, the some of the droids, the blue milk when we think back to what we talked about a couple of months ago or a couple of weeks ago when we said that Lucas had um I don't know if he said it or whether it implied it, the fact that some of the newer sequel stuff had just not felt very Star Wars, and I don't think either of us put our finger on it before, but when he said it and when we'd read it, we were like, actually, yeah. And that was that they'd just not really introduced that much new stuff. Like, there aren't that many new worlds, there's not many new species, it's just, 
it's just more of the same, whereas every film previously introduced something else. Yeah. Um, and I think these are a remnant of that original mindset, you know, in Jedi when they were building this out. They, someone obviously went through this design process, not intending for it to stick, but just for it to be looking cool. Um, mm-hmm. And then it's just developed from there. And I do think maybe that's what's what's lacking in the sequels is is just... Because there's some... And you might disagree with this, and we'll not go too far into it, but... There's been something in the sequels that's just not felt Star Wars. You know, do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know what it is. Yeah. Uh, we did allude to this a couple of weeks ago, I'm sure, where we said that in the previous films, they've always had these whimsical race of aliens that are just there. And the whole world feels lived in, but not with a purpose, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. in the OT, when they're wandering around uh, Moss Eisley, for example, and they see just random aliens and things going on and things happening. In this, in the newer ones, it kind it's kind of got that, but it doesn't feel like it's from a from a from a Star Wars perspective enough. It feels just like these things have been dropped in at various points, a bit fan servicey. Like there's a bit where Ray rescues bb8 towards the beginning of the force awakens and she's walking off this little alien pops up out of the ground you know it's like a little puppet you know it's just not a a visual effect but those things are put in there to try and make you feel like ah this is star wars there's like a little thing there but they just haven't done it on a big enough scale to me they haven't got like a like the gungans from the prequels are not we don't haven't seen anything like that Mm -hmm. so i know exactly what you mean these things there's no they don't need to be tangible like these Imperial Guards. They don't need to have a huge backstory and need to contribute to anything, but they're just there because they're just there because it's a design process has gone through that. Whereas in the yeah. sequel, it's like in the sequel trilogy, it's like, well, we've designed all this cool stuff, but we don't know why. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying that they say that, but in my opinion, they've designed all of this cool stuff. Don't get me wrong. It looks great, but it doesn't, it, it, everything's there to serve a purpose. There's nothing there just to, whimsically be like oh yeah that's cool because it's star wars yeah I, I get that i think that's a really good good way to put it and and just to just to kind of throw another element into that which i think really lends itself to why they don't feel as big or as star wars it is the empire or the lack thereof like all we see of the first order and this was alluded to in a little bit of news the fact that everyone in the first order no one except the really closely guarded people know that ben solo is kylo ren no one it's just hooks obviously Snoke and maybe a couple of others, but like the Empire always felt huge. It was like, there's a Death Star. These are all these ships coming in and it always felt big. Like it felt like an Empire, whereas the First Order is supposed to be this huge thing that you saw destroy Hosnian Prime from Starkiller Base. And that was only the real, the only glimpse that we got of it. Sure, we got the fleet in Last Jedi, but it was just that one fleet throughout. Like that was just a tiny portion theoretically and it just never felt big enough it just felt like okay Snoke's there Kylo Ren's there these are the stormtroopers they've got this entire thing that I'm seeing in this wide angle shot is the first order like that entire boxed off thing is the first order and it's the scale of it like you said it just doesn't feel Star Warsy. yeah no I read you man that's an interesting discussion for another day actually yeah we could go real deep into that stuff yeah so the Imperial Guards though Cool random spotlight, I feel. Yeah, good choice, dude. I think they're really badass. Next week, we'll have to go something prequely or maybe something comic booky. Not sure. 
Oh yeah, good idea. I'll pick next week's if you want. You always pick them because I'm uh, I'm terrible. It's because you're watching The Office. Well, didn't want it to, in a way. <laughs> I love it. Why did we not do an Office podcast? Because <laughs> you said there's a couple out there already, dude. Yeah, there was like two that started within days of each other last right. year, and I was like, damn it, we should have done this. It would be cool, even if we did a commentary-based one where we just watched the episodes and just comment on what's going on. It'd be amazing. <laughs> a lovely dawn. They say that uh, one time or the other, every guy in the office is walking up the crack of dawn. <laughs> what? Got any post? <laughs> oh, we're right off here, don't we? Especially these lot. They're uh, all mental. Not especially literally. these ones. Yeah. <laughs> the last place you'd want someone like that is in accounts. Oh God, we've got to stop. We've got to stop this. Okay, no more office. Let's stop. We're at one hour, seven minutes and 43 seconds, according to my roadcaster. Yes, and people that have not watched The Office will be like, what are you banging on about? So let's wrap it there, dude, for... All we will say is that <laughs> we're out here on the front lines <laughs> while Lenny Emery's back there, Wogan's back there in the studio, you know? So... Okay, no more. No more. Let's wrap there for episode 27. It's been uh, great having you back, dude. I missed you last week. It's not the same doing SOR without you, buddy. So welcome back. It's been great chatting through all these things, especially not the office, but especially uh, all of the news and especially the posters. We'll put a link in the show notes for our listeners to check those out if you haven't already. Yeah, do it, do it, do it, do it. Do it. Uh, Next week for episode 28, um, we'll have some more um, uh, news from the world of Star Wars, obviously, and some review and discussion. And Mark is definitely going to pick next week's Random Spotlight. I'll leave that one to you. So if we start recording next week and we get to Random Spotlight and it's like, what are we doing? And he's like, I don't know yet. Then it could turn ugly. Oh, we got this. Don't worry. You'll never know. Editing skills are on point, <laughs> as always. Uh, yes. Um, where was I? Uh, next week, yeah. Uh, we'll bring you loads more news and random discussion all that stuff as usual in the meantime head over to uh, watch whatever podcast app you use to listen to podcasts we're on all of the podcast networks um, Apple Podcasts I was going to say iTunes and it's nine more Apple Podcasts Spotify Stitcher Google all of that stuff are on there and remember to give us a review and a rating if you've got a minute too because that really helps us uh, with discoverability and all that stuff we also have our own website which is generated by the awesome captivate.fm that we host our podcast with so head over to sparkofrebellion.com and also on the socials as I mentioned Twitter, Facebook and Instagram just to research for us you'll find us on there and if you like what we do here and want to support the show patreon.com forward slash sparkofrebellion uh, it's been fun dude we'll see you next week always fun thank you for uh, everyone that uh that tunes in all the patrons everyone that joins us every single week so thank you so much it does mean a lot and yeah guys always good to be back dude always good to chat indeed yes Uh, we will see you guys next week have a great week and may the force be with you always always